We're looking this morning at John's Gospel, taken from two passages, the 12th and the 14th chapters, and both are very well known, but particularly the 14th chapter is a, is a great blessing to the church. Well, it all is, of course, but you'll know what I'm talking about. So we're looking at chapter 12 of John, verses 35 and 36, and then verses 14, 1 through 7. This is 2 and 4, the word of God. Jesus said to them, and he's talking to the disciples, The light is with you for a little longer. Walk while you have the light, so that the darkness may not overtake you. If you walk in the darkness, you do not know where you are going. While you have the light... Believe in the light so that you may become children of the light. And then over into the 14th chapter. We read this often when at memorials. We had one yesterday. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house there are many dwelling places. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself, so that where I am, there you may be also. And you know the way to the place where I am going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going. How can we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you know me, you will know my father also. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Lord, open your word up to us this day. Bless us by it. Help us to not only hear it, but to live it out because of our love for you, because of your love for us. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Jesus is speaking in this 14th chapter, uh, especially the 14th chapter, well, both of them actually, they're, they're departure teachings, and these are just before, um, uh, kind of on the way to uh, the cross. And so he's giving his final words of strength and of comfort, and it's also a prophecy about his death and his resurrection. And he defines himself with several key words. So in John 12, responding to the question from the crowd of who is the Son of Man, Jesus says he he defines himself as the light. So that's one definition. And then in John 14, 6, he utters perhaps the most famous passage in Scripture. I am the way and the truth and the life. And then he adds this. No one comes to the Father except through me. So I want to pick these four statements apart this morning. Uh, And I submit to you that these four things are essential for the way. That is, the way we travel in knowing Jesus Christ. First, I'd like to set up a parable to kind of um, help us understand this. A trusted guide invites you and three other companions on a trip. And he doesn't tell you where you're going, but he just calls up and he says, let's go. Or follow me, I guess you could say. 
and you trust this guide. So you drop everything, and he picks you all up in this SUV and drives you east out through the high desert. And as you know, it's scorching. It's, it's pretty warm here, too, so you can imagine what the desert's going to be like. It's bone dry, and it's vast. And over several hours, you notice that you're gaining in altitude, and it's getting a little cooler. And now he's driving over a dirt road in deep, lush, evergreen forest. And it's broken here or there by a meadow that is surrounded by stands of, of quaking aspen. Obviously a road very few people know about because you're not seeing anybody at this point. And eventually, though, it leads you to a cliff with no sign of civilization around you. And everyone hops out and walks to the edge of the cliff. And there below you is this spectacular canyon. Now, it's not the Grand Canyon, um, but it's like that. Because you've been to the Grand Canyon before, and you know this is not that. But everybody's excited, and uh, they're with the guide, and, and they're going to be hiking into that canyon. And um, they're all glad about that. So you all set up camp. That evening after dinner, around the campfire, the guide tells you that while you're going to be hiking the next day, he's going to be leaving you that night. Now, you've never been to this canyon before. You don't know where you're going at all. And so chaos erupts and panic. Everybody's just shocked. They can't believe that getting to this out-of-the-way place, they're going to be just left. But he says then that even though he's leaving you, you will find him very soon. He's going to go ahead of you along the same route that you'll be taking. And you're not quite sure how that's going to help things, but you calm down a little bit. And in succession, uh, four questions get asked by, by each of you. The first person says, how will we see our way? The second person says, how will we calculate the direction? The third person says, what's the purpose of all of this anyway? And then the fourth person says, from where will we get our inspiration? All four of you asked the guide a question based on, on your own sense of the most pressing need. So let's look at that first person. How will we see our way? Might get dark. A lot of trees in this canyon. Now this person is a rather timid individual. For them, everything's about safety first. And so they have insurance on everything, you know, not just the usual stuff, the car, the home, uh, medical, et cetera, but they, they have insurance on their insurance. So they're really prepared. Um, they brought along a first aid kit, snake anti-venom, some splints, a sling, um, instant, those instant ice packs, you know, you snap them and they, a wind-up radio for, you know, out there, generate your own electricity the right thicknesses for their socks, and they got the proper hiking shoes and long pants for warmth, and also to kind of give you some protection against, you know, scorpions or snakes or stinging nettles. You know, there might, might be some of them out there. They have high-tech water. You know, they've seen the pictures before in those backcountry wilderness offices of, of, you know, people hanging off of cliffs, you know, from heat stroke you know, because they didn't have enough water. So they have high-tech water. Most vital thing, though, that they bring to this hike is a flashlight. Safety is all. They want to know how 
can you gain vision, particularly when it gets dark, as it just might, to this first person, to this safety first person, the one for whom comes down to who has the best night vision, to them, Christ the guide says, I am the light. Now, what does Jesus mean when he says he's the light? That word light, phos, is where we get a lot of words in the English language. We get photograph, photon, phosphorescence. Jesus says, I am the light for the journey of life, the light along the way, which means that Jesus is the one who shines in the darkness, the one whose light makes the darkness, in effect, disappear. It's amazing how light can do that in total pitch black. But we must let Jesus be the light. Much as we'd like to, we, we must resist the temptation to be the light for ourselves. Some of the uh, best blues guitarists in the world have been, have been blind, many of them born blind. And a while back, I, just started, I, I decided to start practicing playing the guitar standing up, which I didn't used to do, and with my eyes closed, which I never did. So that's what I did. I, I decided to do that. I wanted to, if it was good enough for the, the best guitarists, then I could at least try it. So I began doing that, standing up rather than sitting down, and the guitar is in a different shape there. It's not supported by your leg. And, and uh, I played the scales without looking at the neck of the guitar or my hand. What I discovered was that the secret, the same secret that those old blues guitarists had, you get a sort of guitar braille thing going. It's probably that way with any instrument when you close your eyes. And after a while, your fingers, because of muscle memory, just begin to know where they have to go. Now, if you switch to a different guitar, it takes a while to learn on that one too. But basically, they're in the same place. Um, before long, though, you begin to have this, this sense of freedom about playing. There is a freedom that comes from knowing you can depend blindly on something or on someone. And there's great freedom in knowing that we are safe in the darkness. And to the one whose most pressing need uh, along the way is safety, especially in the dark, Jesus says, I am the light. I will be your light. I will establish your safety along the way. That's the first person. Safety first. The second person asks, how do we know the direction? This person is a calculating type, probably an engineer. I know we don't have any of those in this room. But, um, but he prides himself on establishing accuracy especially directions. Uh, their backpack is filled with, with all kinds of high-tech gadgets, and uh, they ensure directional accuracy. There's a GPS, the latest one, a laser compass, a star map apps on their phone, got a solar panel that they, they can hook up to any of those things and keep them going out in the wilderness. Problem is, no sooner do they turn one of them on, one after another, they're all kaput. Apparently, the dog got into the, back, the backpack before the trip started and chewed on some of those devices, and they're not working. This person needs accurate directions, and because they do, their life right now is in a crisis. So this, tech, this second person, this technical one for whom 
Life comes down to a matter of finding the right tool or the right gadget to ensure that they will have the most accurate data. To them, Christ says, I am the way. I am the way. Now, what does Jesus mean when he says, I am the way? The word in Hebrew here comes, uh, it's, it's hodas, and that word means a road or a route, a way. And the word ex-hodas means a way out. So that's what that book is about, right? The way out of Egypt. Jesus says, I am the way out. I am the road that you take to your ultimate destiny, your route to salvation, the way. Lexus used to run a commercial years ago where there was this silver Lexus that was driving on a road. It kind of was a moonscape or something, all these rocks all around. And and as the Lexus drove, the road was created just in front of it. You didn't see the road, but as the Lexus moved, the road just kept getting created right in front of it. And you can't look down the road because uh, there's no road down the road. It's just right in front of the car. So you have to keep your eyes right on the road just ahead of you. The road is created as you go. The road takes you. Life in Jesus is not a predictable road. It's not mappable. To the calculating type, the one wanting the most accurate directions in life, Jesus says, I am the way, but my road is forever forming in front of you, forever leading you toward your ultimate destiny. Jesus is the way, the map for our ultimate destiny, our salvation. Yet he is the map that unfolds only as we go forward. So we have to take one step at a time. Well, that's the second person. The third person on the trip asked this question, what's the purpose of all this anyway? I mean, what's the reason, the why? Why are we doing this? This person is a, probably owns a used bookstore, rare books, kind of got a dated archaeological look about them, sort of dusty between the ears. And, and they brought a large suitcase onto the, to the trip, had lots of books in it on philosophy and, and uh, fewer clothes than books. Uh, they, have, they have Plato, but they didn't bring a toothbrush, you know, or a map. This person expects, though, a rational reason for everything that they undertake. When they don't find a good reason behind it, they abandon the project. When they were in college, they'd ask a professor, why are we reading this? If the professor couldn't give them a good answer, they'd drop the course. This person does not trust feelings. Everything has to have a valid reason. And right now, they're really getting ticked at the guy for bringing them out here, not giving them a good enough reason for anyone to stay on the trip, not only for coming on the trip, but now that the guide is leaving for a little bit at all. This person, the most pressing need is purpose, is reason, the why of life. So this second reasoning person, the one for whom every decision in life must have a logical purpose, Christ says, I am the truth. I am your truth. Now, what does Jesus mean when he says, I am the truth? The word is aletheia. Jesus isn't truth like a philosophical truth, 
or a theory. Jesus is God in the form of a human being. The truth that Jesus is has less to do with with placing uh, him in an airtight theological box and more to do with knowing and seeing Jesus as the living Lord of our life. I first met Sonny Salisbury um, at the college briefing conference at Forest Home in the mid-70s when I was in college, and he was the big music guy and, and at the conference, and he was a legend at that time, and he helped write those books on youth ministry, and, and he, was, he was immortal. He was, he was sort of one of the gods on the, on the Mount Olympus of youth ministry. Years later, I, I happened to be the youth pastor who followed Sonny Salisbury here at Hoya Presbyterian Church as the Sunhouse pastor, and, and I, it was kind of an impossible job. I mean, he had millions of kids. At least that was the image I had in my mind. I was since later told that, no, he didn't. <laughs> no, millions, don't, don't get in the way of my, my myth, my legend. Well, then uh, I got to know him a little bit better at uh, a pastor's conference, and he went from being a thing, which is often what the truth feels like, just a, a thing, lifeless, bloodless. He went from being a thing to being a real, live human being. Ultimately, we became friends. Legends aren't real. Legends can't become your friend, but a human being can. And Sonny became a friend. Here's the truth that Jesus is. He's not a dry, dusty fact of philosophy. He's not distant. He's not a a, a mystical or mythical legend. Jesus is the Lord of all, yes, but he's also our greatest friend the one whom we can see and know in a personal way, in a relationship. And that's Jesus' point to the disciples. He says to to them and to you and me, I'm real, I'm leaving, yes, but I'll be back, and then I'll be even more real. I'm truth, but the kind of truth that you can know and see as your eternal, everlasting greatest friend. Our reason, our purpose, our why, our truth is Jesus Christ, our friend. Well, the fourth fourth person asks the guide, from where will we get our inspiration when you're gone? This person is completely the opposite of the logical person. They're not interested in knowing the reason the guide is going ahead of them. Talk about not worrying about practicalities. This person didn't bring any supplies at all. They just wanted to be inspired. They expected somebody that would come through them, uh, come through along the way, and give them that inspiration. Uh, they want a they want a motivational talk. In fact, this person is a motivational speaker himself. They once once wrote a book called "Turn Your Cares Into Shares," and um, it was very successful. Go, you'll find it. I'm sure at some bookstore. (laughs) They figure if the guide is going to uh, ditch them, at least pass on a little charisma to everyone, a little inspiration, a little energy, because, I mean, you're going to be gone, so we need something to go on here, not just high-tech water either. This guy lives on inspiration, like you and me live on air. But now he would 
like a little inspiration. He needs the guide to give him a pep talk. For this person, the most pressing need is inspiration. Where will it all come from in our lives? So to this fourth sort of charismatic person, the one for whom every decision in life relates to where's inspiration coming from, Christ says, I am the life. I am the one you're getting inspiration from. Now, what does Jesus mean when he says he's life, the zoe? You see, Jesus knows that we need not simply vision, we need not simply direction, we need not simply purpose, not only light, way, and truth. Jesus also knows that we need inspiration. We need life, vibrant life. What we need is a hero. Sixth grade flag football. First day we're out there on the grass and waiting for our coach and He's a ways off, and he's a, a, new, a new guy. We've never met him. And, and as he's getting closer to us, he looks so small. I mean, we're bigger than this guy. We could take him. Why are they sending this guy? But then as he gets a little bit closer, you know, because you're still working on your depth of perception in your sixth grade, he, he, he gets a little closer. He's getting bigger and bigger and bigger. My gosh, he's huge. I mean, he's not heavy. He's just, he's a beast. Okay, so we can't whip him, but is he going to be cool? I mean, at least be cool. Then he gives us his name, Coach Petrangelo. So immediately we all go, we're going to call you Tarantula. That was the name we give him. Now that is cool. And that first day he put us through a tough workout, which was kind of rude. But at the end of it, he, he recoups his losses by saying, dogpile on Mitchell. And I was, you know, flat as a pancake. But Tarantula, Coach Tarantula was cool. He was our small guy, although bigger than we thought. He was our hero. And we needed a hero. Friends, for the journey, the way we, the way we need a hero. We need inspiration. We need life. The fountain of that life, that Zoe, is Jesus. He's not just a motivational speaker, though certainly you can find a lot of things he says in Scripture that will motivate you. But he doesn't just tell us about life. Jesus is life itself. Life itself. I am the way and the truth and the life. Now that's a bold statement. But then Jesus goes even further and more bold. And he says, no one comes to the Father except through me. Now, in our pluralistic world, this is an uncomfortably exclusive claim. One of the big, biggest roadblocks to evangelism is that the Christian has to tell the, a person that Jesus is the way, the truth, the life, the only way to God. So the first charge that we often face is that of arrogance. You know, there's a lot of ways to know God. Since when do Christians get to be the only ones to claim that they know that, that they are the way, that Jesus is the way? Religions debate these approaches to God. Yet if there is a God, an ultimate being, there's something logical about the notion that it, 
it has to sort of be one, just one, what we call the Trinity. Lots of ultimate gods is, is kind of a, a contradiction. It's kind of a Marvel comic universe. Jesus tells us that God, the Father, is that ultimate being, the one who created the universe, and yet whoever wants a personal relationship with each of us. And that's a scandal to a lot of people, too. Why would God waste time creating this universe, but also wanting this relationship with us? Paul to the Athenians, right? The unknown God. Yeah, well, I know him personally. His name is Jesus. We're best. In fact, you call up heaven, the heaven of whatever uh, faith you want, in order to get an answer to the question of who is God. And the answer that you will hear on the other end is Jesus Christ speaking. That's what you'll hear. To the degree that any faith appeals to the one real God, it can only be appealing to the God of Jesus Christ. Now how or in what way does God speak to followers of other faiths? Only God knows. But there are a lot of passages in the scripture that speak of other sheep outside of the fold for whom, so Paul claims, by the way, in Romans 2, God's laws are apparently written on their hearts. God may speak of Jesus Christ to those of other faiths in ways that, that might surprise us. Countless missionaries have stories to tell on that. Dale Bruner used to say, we Christians are limited by the means of grace, prayer, Bible study, uh, fellowship, um, uh, worship, all those means. We're limited by those things uh, in terms of how we reach out to people. But he says, but God isn't limited to those things. God may be doing other things that we've never heard of. So that when the missionary comes to a group of people who have, who have never had the gospel brought to them, oh yes, we've been waiting for you. That has happened. So God speaks in a lot of different ways. My point is this. Any frame of reference to some ultimate being, some God, any, ref uh, any reference to a creator, sustainer, Lord and Savior in this world is a reference to Jesus Christ. Christ as light, way, truth, and life. This is the way of our guide, Jesus Christ. That's, he's the one who's leading us. And really what we're talking about, though, is discovering who Jesus is and how we can follow him how we can travel the way of Christ with true joy.